0: Hey, well, it is good to see all of you in the house. We got a little little more than we had last week. Um, Hey, did you enjoy the service so far? This is for those in the house, hold on, I'll get to you. Did you enjoy the service so far? Say amen, yeah, Woo. Hey, and for all of you online, we are praying for you today as well. Listen, you might as well be here with us right now because we feel your spirit and your presence with us and we know the same presence of God that is in this place is also where you are this morning. And uh, many of you, in fact, uh, all of you over the last, oh my goodness, has it been like over two or three years since I've been here already? It seems like it. Uh, Just uh, trying to get readjusted here now that we're back together. But all of us have been watching online and one of the things that we put out early on was to send us pictures of you watching at home and that we're gonna do a drawing. And so we have one here today. Anybody like Outback say yes? All right, this is a $50 Outback card for Karen and Bill Taylor. Are they in the house today? They're not. All right, they're watching online. I'll use this for you, thank you. Uh, we We will get this to you, and we're so thankful for all of you that are watching and all of you that have watched over the last few weeks, and we're so thankful for the technology and the people that know how to put that together that has helped us from day one, We are so blessed, aren't we? And um, I just wanna do a little quick shout out because I saw today, um, I was, I I think we have somebody here today that's here for the very first time. And I mean like, I know some of you are back for the first time, but this is like their first time ever in church. And uh, Brian and Suzanne Hare had a little baby girl named Natalie and Natalie is here for the first time today. Where are you guys sitting? Where are you? There you are right back there. And baby sister, Julia, and we're so glad. And I'll just tell you, I got a good peek this morning. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. Thankfully, looks like mom. And uh, anyway, we're so glad, we're so glad, and we celebrate with you guys. Wow, life. Uh, we, we are so blessed. Well, let me address, before I get into the message today, let me just uh, say, as most of you heard this past week, that... Pastor Stan and Pastor Liz have both announced their retirements effective the end of July. Um, Pastor Stan has been with us for 25 years, and Pastor Liz has been with us for 30 years. Listen, let me just tell you, that is unprecedented in the church. To have staff that not only have the kind of talent and love for God in the church that they did, but to be in one place for 25 and 30 years, there may be a handful of pastors across uh, the country that could say that kind of thing and be that faithful and unwavering in in service to the church and to our Lord. And I will just say right up front, and if you talk to them, you'll find out I tried my best to talk them out of it, guilt them, I may have mentioned something about out of the Lord's will and hell. Uh, But in the short time that I have been pastor here, I have come to love and appreciate and value both Stan and Liz, and we are blessed as a church because of them. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. And part of what makes me sad, maybe all of us sad, is uh, I just came to the reality, you can't replace a Stan and a Liz. You just can't go out there and boom, there's a Stan and Liz and we're gonna bring him in. Um, this is a legacy chapter, listen to me, that we cannot replicate. Um, but none of this has taken God by surprise. He is celebrating their the, the, the life and ministry that they have given to the church and to him. And he, he has now a new chapter for them and I'm excited. I'm trying to be excited for them. And I was also reminded this week that the Stan and Liz that we have come to love and appreciate and the ministry that they have brought to us, what we love and appreciate today, <laughs> It looked a little different 30 years ago, right? I mean, they came in a little green, uh, you know, had to to work their way through all this, learn. And I was reminded that in the same way, God has, he has the next chapter for us planned out and we will move forward together in faith, believing that he is able to do exceedingly, this is a good place to say amen, uh, exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could dream, think, or imagine. So this is a time of celebration for them. We're gonna celebrate. We'll get you the information on how we're gonna do that. We're gonna give thanks for their lives, give thanks for their ministries. And uh, let's just rejoice with them. Even in sadness, let's thank God for the opportunity that we have had to allow their ministry to touch our lives. So here's what I want you to do. Some of you are gonna be tempted to like panic Some of you are gonna be tempted to like, have your own agenda. Here's what I want us to do. Can we all agree on this? That the most important thing we can do is to pray. To give thanks, to seek God's will for us in this new chapter, don't pray in selfish ways, but pray as our Lord prayed. Father, not my will, but your will, be done in me and in our Church, Pray for me, pray for our leadership, pray for our staff and for whomever God has for our church in the days ahead. And he will be faithful to all of us, amen? Amen. Well, I, um, I just wanna remind us that we, um, we as a church, we exist, whether you're watching online or whether you're here with us in the building today, we exist to help people, all people, you and me to become more fully devoted followers of Christ. Every day of our lives, it's it's a progression. We've never arrived, we're always progressing. And so um, we have been in trying to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We have been in this series called uh, Philippians, more than happiness, talking about how do we have joy in our lives how do we how do we allow in the midst of whatever the craziness in our lives are in our world right now how can we sustain happiness because we are living in a day more than at any other time i think i know in my lifetime but maybe even in history that needs to know there is more than just happiness there is something called Joy With all the evil that seems to abound, we need to be reminded that God's grace and his presence abounds even more. And the theme of Philippians is joy. It's written by Paul. It talks about how to have uh, more than happiness. And again, Paul is writing this to us from prison, which means that our happiness is not based on our happenings. And again, this stuff that we're gonna talk about, and especially today, This is one of those things that Paul teaches that we will easily understand it up here. In fact, we're all gonna probably go, yeah, yeah, I get that, I understand that. But what Paul's gonna teach us today, it's much more difficult to live out. It's much more difficult to put this into practice. So today, Paul is gonna talk to us about how to keep our hearts happy. You know the quartet? talked about that song, you know, how to have more than just happiness and how to keep your life happy. And so Paul is going to teach us today how to keep our heart. He's going to talk to us about our heart today. And my goal and my desire and my prayer has been that God, by the end of this today, that our hearts would be different than when we came into this place. There'd be something in our heart that would give us a hunger for more of him that I would just desire to be more devoted to him. I would desire to give him more of my heart today. And so we look at the scripture and here's where Paul says in Philippians chapter two, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. And here's that phrase that Pastor Shane gave to us. And by the way, hasn't he done a great job over these last few months? Woo! Um, I was on a conference call a a couple weeks ago with uh, Pastor Stan and we were talking with a Zoom call with some pastors in Chicago, on the Chicago district and I was bragging on Shane. He's just done an outstanding job of tying our children into this. Come on, how many of you, there's some of you, you look forward to what Pastor Shane does more than what I'm teaching, right? You're like, yeah, (laughs) ushers, take them out. All right. (laughs) So he says, continue, and here's that phrase that he used, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work it out because in our spiritual lives, there is a part that God plays in this and there is a part that you play in this. God's part is to work in you. God's part is that seed, that tomato seed that Shane talked about, that's in the soil of your heart and and that's his part. Your part is to work it out. Your part is to begin to allow God through what he's done in our hearts to begin to flesh that out, work that out. Notice it doesn't say you work for. It doesn't say work for your salvation. Oh, wow, this is a whole different message. Let me just hit it this way. There is nothing you will ever do that could ever earn or buy your salvation. It has already been paid for you. God paid the price through his son Jesus Christ on a cross. You can't earn your salvation. That's why Paul would say it's by grace, grace only, that you, that you are saved. That's God's part. God's part is his grace. He puts his grace in us. And when you work it out, how to, uh, you, you are creating new muscle. You, you, you're you're uh, well. Actually, you're not creating new muscle. You're you're actually working out muscle that is already there. So when God puts His grace in you, He puts this seed in us that goes into the muscle which we already have. it's not. We're not creating new muscle. No, you're strengthening muscle you already have. Kind of like when you go to the gym. It's not like. I mean, I'd love to go to the gym tomorrow and say, hey. Give me some muscle I don't have, right? And they're gonna go, no, 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 no. You've got to put some habits in your life put some things in place that will strengthen muscle that you already have. And so Paul will teach us today some things that we have to work out, some things that we have to work on in order to develop spiritual muscle which will make us or sustain happiness in our life. And I will just say it again, and I'll say it again. This stuff is easy to teach and easy to understand. It is much more difficult when you try to live this out in your life. You have to create disciplines in your life. So I'm just gonna give you real quickly, I think I'm gonna give you five things today that Paul in this passage in the context of what he's talking about on how to sustain happiness by taking the grace that God has planted in us and working that out. And as we work it out, it helps us to sustain or maintain happiness, which brings joy. So the first one that, and this is kind of simplistic, uh, but let me, let me get into this real quickly. The first thing he says, how to keep your heart happy is you have to start, uh, stop doubting. I have to be reminded that God is always with me. So I'm going through this thing. I'm sitting at home during COVID-19. I'm uh, you know, not able to go be with people. I'm not able, I, I have to be reminded that though all this craziness has happened and all this riots, all this crazy stuff, this evil that seems to abound in our world, I have to, Paul says, you have to always continue as a discipline, stop down and remind yourself that God is with you. He's in you. He's working in you. If you've given your life to Christ, whatever you face this week, you will not face it alone. If Christ is living within you, God is in you, he, he loves you, then he has promised to work all things out in us. And so Paul gives us this verse in verse 13, for God is always always working in you. That means this week, whatever you face, that you felt all alone and you felt like God deserted you and you didn't know why it happened and you were totally frustrated over it and you don't know what's going on. Paul says, even in that, God is working in you, giving you both the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him, So he uses this word. He, he says, God is always working. And it is this Greek word enogos. It, it, it is a, a word that simply means energy. That as God has planted his grace in us and he is always working in us, he will give us not only desire, but he will give us energy. God says, I'll give you energy. I'll give you power for whatever it is that you have to go through. That's why Paul would say, in, in Colossians, he would say that we are hid in Christ. Uh, we are protected in Christ. So you have to think about this. The Bible says that Christ is in me. The Bible says I am in Christ. The Bible says we are hid in In Christ, We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That means for the devil to get to me or the devil to get to you, he has to go through Christ. He has to go through God. He has the Father. He has to go through the Holy Spirit. That is pretty awesome protection in our lives. I have to stop doubting and be reminded that he is with me. Paul would say to the Romans, he would say, if God is for us, If God is in us, if God's given me the energy, if God's given me the desire, if the devil's gotta go through God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, if God is for us, who could possibly ever stand against us? If you wanna be happy, you have to develop the habit that continually says, God, I thank you that you are with me today. Your presence is in me, your Holy Spirit is in me. I thank you that you're with me, I know you love me, There are times I don't love myself, but God, you love me. I I have to remind myself that you are guarding my heart from the evil one. And God, if you're for me today, who could stand up against me? And so Paul says, if you wanna maintain your happiness in your life, if you wanna elevate it a bit, you have to stop doubting and remind yourself that God is always with you. The second thing Paul says, now this is one of those that's going to be easy to teach and hard for us to live out, (laughs) stop complaining. And just as I suspected, now one amen on that one. (laughs) Did anybody online type in amen on that? I doubt it. Wow. Okay, come on. Do you ever do that? This is hard. And do you know why? This is is our natural nature. To be negative, to look for bad, to complain, to look for the worst scenario. And what makes this part so ugly, talking about, the natural sin, uh, the natural desires within us. What makes this so ugly is we tend to excuse this in ourselves and accuse others, right? I mean, we excuse ourselves and we accuse everybody else. Many many of us blame others for the problems in our lives. Come on. Um, Oh man, I started to say anybody in here like to blame other people, but we don't have enough room at the altar today, right? We like to blame people. If I had a different husband, I'd be happy. If I hadn't gotten married, I'd be happy. If I had children, I'd be happy. (laughs) If my children would leave, (laughs) I'd be happy. We, we tend to blame. We want to, if something's not right, we want to put the, and I'm just raising my hand on this one. This has been an area for me that God has just had to continually work on me because my tendency is I want to blame others. And here's the deal. If you are a blamer, you won't live in a sustained state of happiness in your life you will always be looking for someone to place the blame on. I don't even wanna bring this next verse up. Do everything in your life without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Now we're in Philippians chapter two, but some of you will need to look at your neighbor's Bible on this, cause I don't think this one's in yours. This may, this may be one of the most difficult verses in all of scripture. to do everything in our lives without grumbling or complaining or arguing. See, what Paul is doing is Paul is teaching, if you wanna sustain happiness in your life, you, you you, you have to learn to be grateful in your life for all things. Again, Paul's writing this from prison. Now, I walked around this morning, and I was talking to some of you, and I was asking, how you doing, or how, you know, whatever, and the truth is that there's a temptation for us, and there are some things that people shared, and that's okay, I'm not picking on that. I'm just saying there is a tendency for us not to be grateful, and for us to look at things in our lives or around our lives that maybe are not the way we want them to be, and we tend to complain about those, and live on those and dwell on those. And Paul says, you can do that, it's a choice. But he says, the more you do that, the, the more happiness gets drained out of your life. Paul says, stop complaining, stop grumbling. I mean, like you know, this, oh, So when I do this, it means I'm filtering, allowing the Holy Spirit to filter. Now, this has not happened since I've been here, so this is is a different church. Not the church you're thinking of either, all right? It's a different church. And I'll be like, uh, spent during the week maybe with four or five people in counseling, maybe marriages that are crumbling, Spouses that have done horrific things and their kids' lives are now broken because of it. I've sat beside the bed of someone dying with cancer and watched their children just pour love on them at the same time grieve. I've seen people that are going through such incredible abuse in their life and their life has been destroyed by someone else's sin and I watch all that. Again, another church, not. Not this one. And you come in and then it'd be like, man, that, that music was just a little bit too loud today. And I wanna go, like, why don't you come with me and we'll see how miserable your life is compared to theirs. Does this make sense to you? I mean, I, we have a tendency to grumble and complain and argue. And here's what I know, here's what I Paul teaches, but I know because I've seen this, is the more we do this, the less joy we have in our life and the more happiness gets drained. And so Paul says, stop it. Stop complaining and arguing and bickering and just live a life of joy. I mean, this verse, uh, this verse is humbling. What would, our, what would our lives look like if we just lived this verse? Let me go beyond that. What would our church look like in our community if we just lived by this verse? The kind of joy that could rise up in our hearts, and our lives, in our church, in our community. And I'll just tell you one of the scariest admonitions in all of the Bible is in Matthew's gospel where Jesus says these words, and this ought to put shivers up and down our spine. I tell you on that day of judgment, when you stand before him, you will have to give an account for every careless word you have uttered that has destroyed people's lives, that has hurt reputations, that has torn people down. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what their life is like. We criticize, we grumble and complain, and we have no idea what someone else is going through. And Paul said that ought not to be, stop it. Jesus tells us one day we will give an account for every careless word. Things that I have said when I should just have been silent. And then Paul says this verse, give thanks in all circumstances. Do you want me to give you the true meaning of what these words right mean, right here, these two words, all circumstances. let me give you the Greek form. I looked it up this week. What Paul was saying is we ought to give thanks, and here's what these two words translated mean. In all circumstances that we give thanks that even there are things that I don't enjoy, I don't like, I don't understand. Paul says, but I know God's working those in me, so I should give thanks in all circumstances. For he said, this is God's will for you. Now here's what Paul does not say. Paul does not say give thanks for all circumstances. Come on, that's like elementary spirituality. I don't have to give thanks for everything but in everything, I can give thanks. There are some things that I'm not gonna give thanks for. I'm not gonna give thanks for war. I'm not giving thanks when I hear someone has cancer. I'm not giving thanks when someone is in a wreck and their life is taken because of someone else's careless acts. I'm not giving thanks for racial injustices. We're not to be thankful for everything, but Paul says we can be thankful in everything, and I am thankful. And when I do that, when I just say, God, I don't enjoy this, I don't understand it, I don't like it, but I am thankful because I've stopped doubting, I know you're with me, I know you're helping me, I know you're working something I don't see, so I'm gonna stop and give thanks. And if I am thankful, guess what I stop doing? I stop complaining. Thanks has a way to drive out Negativity and complaining in my life. And here is a verse, this verse that we just read, that several of you need in your life desperately to bring happiness back into your life. Be grateful and never grumble. Okay, there's two of us that like that one. Let's go to the third one then. How to keep your heart happy. Well, Paul says, stop sinning. Turn to the person next to you, even if they're six foot away and say, duh, right? Like, uh, easier to understand, harder to do. Is Everybody in this place would say, if we would stop sinning, our lives would be happier. We got it here, it's living it out, right? Paul says, if you wanna be happy, you have to get rid of sin in your life. Now, hold on, because I may start preaching on this point, all right? Here's, here's what Paul says in verse 15. You are to become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. My prayer for all of us on a regular basis is that we would have pure hearts, that that we would live out this plea that God gives to us even Jesus himself said blessed are the pure in heart the blessed happy joyful are those who have a pure heart for they will see God they will see God's purposes they will see God's plan but we live in a day we live in a day now we've always lived in this day but It's just so profound today. We see it in such a more obvious way. We live in a day when people struggle with this idea of sin. Sin is so rampant that we don't even think about it much. It seems like the prevalent mantra of today is, I love to sin and God loves to forgive. But that kind of thinking and that kind of living is devastating to us and it breaks God's heart. Now God indeed loves to forgive us from sin, all sin. But his heart aches over the sin of his children because he he knows how it robs them of dreams, how it robs them of happiness, how it breaks their relationships, how it scars so many lives. And I will just tell you in all the years of pastoring and seeing all the ways that sin hurts and robs people, I have just come to hate it so much. And Paul says, stop sinning, be filled with joy. The Psalmist said, what happiness What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joys when sins are covered over, washed over by the blood of Christ. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. This is coming from a guy who knew how to sin. That verse, this verse can clean us up, we need it. That means every morning or every night, I just pause and I say, God, is there anything between you and me today? Did I offend somebody with the things I said today? Was my attitude less than Christ? Was my spirit hateful today? Did I have bad attitudes? Was I I hurtful towards someone? And if you show me God, I will deal with it. I stop sinning. And when I confess and stop sinning, what happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. I would love to stop right now. There are some of you that the reality about your life this morning some of you that are watching online is that you need to stop some sin in your life. How to keep your heart happy. Fourth one is you have to study God's word. You have to study God's word. I'm looking for somebody that has a Bible but I don't see any heathens that have a Bible here. Anybody have a Bible? All right. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here calling y'all heathens and I left mine on my desk. So I, I, I've got my Bible here, but I've, got, I'm gonna, I've also got it here. So I'm gonna use this uh, in a moment as an illustration. Some of you have lost your happiness and there are some of you that feel depressed and discouraged today. And if you feel depressed, it's because you're thinking depressed thoughts. Stay with me. If you wanna get out of your depression If you wanna get out of your discouragement, if you wanna have more happiness in your life, you have to change the way your mind is thinking. So Paul uses this phrase in Romans chapter 12. He says, be transformed by the renewing, the changing of your mind. In Ephesians, Paul would say it this way, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water. How? Through the word. Ever notice how when you dwell on something, whatever you dwell on gets bigger? Worry is when you take a negative thought, oh, some of you are professionals at what I'm about to say. Worry is when you take a negative thought and you think on it over and over and over and over and over again. You wake up and it's the first thing on your mind, and you just lay there in bed and you're thinking about that thought, oh, I don't know how I'm gonna make it financially. And you just start thinking on it over and over and over. Oh, I don't know about so and so, and this, and you start thinking on it over. And over. And all of a sudden, by the time you get out of bed, it seems like this big boulder that's gonna knock you down. It's huge. Meditation is when you take a passage of Scripture and you think on that promise or that passage of Scripture over and over and over and over again. Meditation. There have been days. When I have throughout that day quoted Philippians 4.13, which we'll get to in a few weeks, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I would have to just say it over and over. And I would take a step and I would say it over and take a step and say it over because it didn't seem like I could get from here to there. But every step of the way, I would remind myself, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So, This is your Bible, you've got one hopefully in your hands. Five ways that you can fill your mind with the Word of God. Five ways that you can allow your life to be washed and cleansed through the Word of God, here they are. You hear it, so you you hear the scripture, whether it's in here like we are today or you hear somebody read it, You, you hear the scripture you read the scripture and if we have ever lived in a day that is it is so easy to read the scripture more today than ever before because you I've got I've got every I got scripture right here with me 24/7 and I got it in about every different translation and if I don't even feel like reading it you know what I can do I just hit a button and it reads it to me how lazy are we, right? I, I memorize it. So I am putting the word of God in my heart. I'm meditating on it over and over and over and over. And then I'm applying it. Now stay with me. We tend to forget, oh, this is bad for a preacher to say. We tend to forget 90% of what we hear within like 24 hours, 70, 72 hours, something like that, a couple days. So by Tuesday, 90% of what I've said, you will have already forgotten. Boy, that'll bless a preacher, right? That's why we have a sermon section. Now we're not doing inserts because of all that's going on, but if you can go to our our. Uh, Website and there's a section there, you click on it, you can actually download the notes, you can take your own notes on it there. Um, And they say that if you hear something and write it down, you tend to remember about 50 to 60% of what you hear and write down, which is one of the reasons that we put a sermon section in for you so that it will help you retain And then if you memorize the scripture, if you take the scriptures and you learn them throughout the week, if you meditate on them, if you apply it. Okay, now just watch this. Um, Five fingers. So I hear it, I read it, I memorize it, I meditate on it, I apply it. Let's just say, let's just say you do like two of those. So you hear it. And you read it. So, this is my Bible. This is the Word of God. So, I've got two fingers right there. And the Bible says Satan is always trying to snatch the Word of God from me, right? So, I've got two fingers. I'm I'm hearing it and I'm reading it. Watch this. Look how easy it is for Satan to snatch that away from me. But if I'm hearing it and I'm reading it and I'm applying it, and I'm meditating on it and memorizing it. Look at this, come on. I dare any one of you to come up here and try to get this baby away from me right now, right? I've got a death grip on that. This is a great illustration. You retain it. The more you, the more you apply the word of God by hearing it, reading it, memorizing, meditating it, and then doing it. Satan cannot rob you of that. That's why you have to hold, Philippians says, hold firmly. You grip it. You don't let somebody steal the word of God from you. I'm holding on to the word, and somebody says, Well, you know, you really ain't all that. Huh. Now, if I'm just doing like one or two fingers, I might believe you and let you steal that joy from me. Boy, if I'm gripping on to it, you know what I'm, I'm going to reply? Well, I may not be all that, but Jesus is all that. And he gave his life for me. And he said, me and him are bros. You, you with me? You hold on dearly to the word of God. And then, and then Psalm, the psalmist said, your word makes me happy. It's your, it's your word living in me makes me happy. I, 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 love, I love the I love this psalmist who was just so in love with God that he was just into the word. All right, let me, give you, let me give you the last one and we're done. How do you keep your heart happy? You have to serve God by serving other people. You can't see God, right? I mean, now we see the evidence of God. I see God sometimes through some of you, but I don't, I don't see God like, he's not like physically here. I feel him but I don't see him. Now, if you read through scripture, it's because if you actually saw the fullness of God, you couldn't handle it, right? But we see each other. I see Pastor Stan. I see Mark. I see Nick. I see Vicki. And Paul said in verse 17, your faith makes you offer your lives as a sacrifice in serving God. That's using my life to serve him who I can't see. I can see you though. And and then he goes on to say, if I have to offer my own blood as a sacrifice, I will be happy and full of joy why because he's serving he's got his eyes on others because others represent god and you should be happy and full of joy with me too our faith gives desire in us to offer our lives as a sacrifice and paul gives this key to happiness he says generosity and service giving my life giving my resources so let me ask you just Two pointed questions just as I close here. The first one is, how do you serve others? This is not like a rhetorical question for all of us. This is a question for you. If you wanna sustain happiness in your life and you want joy to dominate your life, how right now are you serving others? In what ways are you using the gifts that God has given you, the resources God has given you? How are you using that to serve others on a regular basis? I mean, we have so many opportunities here to serve. And my fear is that we would ever become a church where we come to receive and never give back. That we become takers and never givers because I know it is in the giving that people find joy. Time Magazine did a study a few years ago that they said it has been proven medically that serving others extends your life and makes you happier. Wow, someone should have wrote that down. Serving others they said is the quickest way to pull yourself out of depression. How are you serving other people? Second question is this, is your heart growing more generous each year? Are you more generous today with your gifts and resources and stuff than you were a year ago, five years ago? Okay, this is a, this is a I'm gonna tell you the answer. I'm gonna ask you a question. Let me tell you the answer to it. The answer is yes, all right? Yes, here, here's the question. Was Jesus a smart guy? <laughs> so see, sometimes you just have to stop and go, take the spiritual aspect out of it, and say, you know what, Jesus was a really smart guy. Well, here's what Jesus said, the really smart guy. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You sustain more happiness in your life by giving than you do in receiving. And there are some people that will go to their graves and they will never understand the truth and the reality of this scripture. He went on to say this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The more I give, the more it increases happiness in my heart. When you begin an exercise program, they always advise you to check with your doctor first, right? I mean, this is what I've heard. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And they, they they want the doctor to check and see if you have a heart problem before you jump in. And here's what I wanna say to all of us in this room and to all of us that are watching online right now you have a heart problem. The Bible tells us that our hearts are often broken and bitter. The Bible tells us that our hearts are often self-centered and self-serving. You remember when Jeremiah wrote this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, that you don't have a prayer on your own of making your heart right. Bible says our hearts are just deceptive and self-serving, but Paul tells us, Paul tells us we have available to us a really good heart specialist. And his name is Jesus. And I've been going to him my whole life. I have found he'll even make house calls. He will come to where you are. He'll seek you out. He'll call you up. He he doesn't, he doesn't charge anything. It's all been paid for by grace. That I can have a new heart. Ezekiel said this, I will give you a new heart. This is God speaking. With new and right desires. Some of you, your desires are not right. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your hard hearted heart, a heart that is hardened by sin. I'll replace that. I will give you a heart full of love. And here's what I wanna say to all of you, you're watching me, but listen, I wanna say it to all of you too. Listen, you're right here with us. (laughs) He wants your heart. He wants all of your heart. When I fell in love with Vicky, I committed myself to her. I didn't say to her, hey, listen, baby, I want you to marry me. I am going to commit most of my heart and love to you. There'll be other loves, but I'll always love you more. No, because that's not love. She wanted my whole heart and devotion, right? She wanted to know that I meant, she meant more to me than anything else and that she had my whole heart and affection. And here's the deal for some of you. (laughs) You have never fallen 100% in love with him, you just haven't. And you go through life and your happiness is up and down and when it's down, it's ugly. And there is no joy that sustains you through the difficulties of life. And Paul says you have to work out your salvation, but listen, you can't work it out unless you've received it. And you don't receive it just by coming into this place. And you certainly don't receive it just by watching online. Well, how how do I receive it pastor? Well, it's really not that hard. Uh, Acts chapter four says, salvation is found in no one else. (laughs) Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven, whereby man might be saved. No other name, no other place to go. It's in Jesus, in all the world, there is no other thing you'll seek after, no other thing you will find, no other person you will be around, that there is no one else whom God has given the authority and the ability to save us. It is through Jesus Christ. And I'd like for us to just bow our heads for a moment in this place and online, would you just bow your heads? I wanna speak to some of you today and the truth about your life is you're not that happy you are not that happy. You know it. You may have times of happiness, you may feel happy emotions, but you would not look at your life and characterize characterize your life as a life of happiness. And I believe the Spirit has you here today and is calling to you today and is stirring something in you today. Whether you are here or whether you are watching right now, There are some of you that have a life filled with doubt. You doubt God's love over you. You doubt it because you're looking back on your sin and what you used to be and you think about that and you dwell on that and that takes over in your mind and your past dominates you and your past keeps you from God's love and you've held on to your sin and you have never, Received his grace. You've never just fallen in love with him 100%. And listen, Jeremiah said, your heart is deceitful and it is beyond cure. You cannot fix it. But I am here to tell you this morning, because he did it for me, and there are many in this room that say amen to this, God can give you a new heart in a moment. (laughs) He can give you new desires and a new spirit in you, new dreams. It is in Jesus alone. He has more grace than you have sinned. And I wonder if God is speaking to someone today and he's just asking you this question, will you just let me in? Will you give me your heart? Will you surrender your life to me? And whether you're here or watching, would you just with heads bowed and eyes closed pray this prayer? God, I thank you that you love me today and you love me unconditionally. I believe in my heart right now that you have forgiven me of my sin. My past is in the past. <laughs> Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Take my heart, 100% committed to you. I'm not holding back, it's 100% you. Forgive me, renew me, fill me with your spirit. Show me that I I am hid in Christ and that I believe today I am a dearly beloved child of God. Praise God. Maybe your life could be characterized this morning as the spirit just gently speaks as one that is filled with constant complaining. And the scripture we read earlier is so convicting, do everything without complaining or arguing. And maybe your prayer today, maybe your prayer today is Holy Spirit, I know one day I will give an account for every word I have spoken. Every careless word that has hurt or brought damage to people. And I am asking for a new tongue. I'm asking that your spirit would be alive in me in new ways, a revived spirit, one that is positive and uplifting and honors and glorifies you, oh God. Father, just as we close and we get ready to worship you, maybe. Maybe for some, we're just, our prayer would be, God, give us a hunger for your word. (laughs) Give us a hunger for your word. Maybe it is, God, help me not to be self-serving. Help me be generous and using my gifts and talents that you have given to me to serve others. Because one day, Lord, I want to stand before you And I wanna hear those beautiful, beautiful words. Well done, good and faithful servant, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand as we worship this morning or just join us as we worship at home?